shit that's happened in There's the show. There's been a lot. Okay, let's talk speaking, about the movie we're Speaking of a lot of weird <laughs> shit happening in a show, who are you, Chris? <laughs> that's the worst opening we've that's ever done. And we've done some really bad openings. <laughs> uh, speak for your own Op- I openings. Am. I am talking about my own podcast. <laughs> this is not your <laughs> podcast. It is our podcast, the family's podcast. I mean, yours and mine. Family. We just let these guys be co-hosts. Well, one of them's a guest host, no, no, and no, one no, of them's I'm, a co-host. No, no, no. I'm a yeah. co-host. Yeah, Thank Josh, you. you're the co-host. And it Benj is also is the, my podcast. Benj is the assistant to <laughs> okay, the co-host. Like you have, like okay, we we between the, the two of us, host. we've got like seventy five percent. You've got twenty. Benj has five. No, no, between the two of you, have fifty one percent. <laughs> You've got forty and Binge has what? Nine? Nine. There you go. <laughs> oh, okay. Well anyway, uh well, my name's I will Chris. absolutely be de- be condescending with math towards you, right? Yeah, like you should be, because there's a serious reason I'm an English major. <laughs> mm. So who are you again? Uh well, I'm Chris. I'm oh, are fil- you? I- mm. Aren't you a filmmaker from Nashville? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Just breathe. Just breathe in real deep. My name. Oh God! Just say it quicker. I'm gonna keep making Chris, jokes until you talk quickly. <laughs> and I'm a filmmaker from Nashville, Tennessee. I had no idea. And I'm coming to get you, Barbara. I don't like that. I wish I said something else. <laughs> Too late now. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Rick Fox. I'm an aspiring author, and I have never seen this movie and know next to nothing about it. So brains. I'm Josh, an analyst here in Nashville. I've also never seen this movie, so I'm apparently not the dude with the chainsaw hand. Thought that's the one we were watching tonight. Turns out we're not. Hi, I'm Binge. I'm an analyst here in Nashville, and I'm in black and white this episode. And we're opinionated! Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968. It has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by George A. Romero, and it stars Judith O'Dea, Keith Wayne, Russell Strelner, Carl Hardman, Dwayne Jones, and Judith Ridley. There is a panic throughout the nation as the dead suddenly come back to life. This film follows a group of characters who barricade themselves in an old farmhouse in an attempt to remain safe from those flesh-eating monsters. So the reason we're watching this movie is because it's our second episode of the second October month of spooks. Electric spookaloo. And it is my... (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And it is my turn to pick the horror movie for the month. So I chose this movie because it's honestly probably one of my earliest exposures to horror as a genre. I just saw it on TV when I was a kid, and uh, I thought it was very captivating. Uh, It's a super... It's one of those movies that actually looks older than it is, 1968. It's eight years after Psycho, um, Hmm. and it's sort of, like, considered a pseudo-revival of, like, super campy B-horror movies from the 1950s, and it's also the... Uh, godfather of the zombie subgenre entirely. It's not the first zombie film ever, uh, but it is considered like the first modern zombie film. The ideas of like, you know, shoot them in the head, they die, they're 
trying to eat you, all that sort of like very generic zombie stuff pretty much started with this movie. So who here other than me has seen Night of the Living Dead? I have not. Uh, I know you mentioned that you picked this also because we just watched Get Out for our first installment in this year's Month of Spooks, and you said that mm-hmm. it has some tie in there. How, how, how does it tie into Get Out? It's, it's actually a bit difficult to talk about before we watch the movie, but uh, a short way to say it is that Peel actually uh, referenced this movie um, in an interview regarding Get Out. Uh, I can't remember exactly where the interview was with, but uh, he basically mentioned that the, this movie's arc was a pretty significant ex- inspiration for how he wanted to approach his film, which we just reviewed. Okay. Um, Binge, uh, have you seen the movie? Uh, I have not. Oh, man. This is a this bunch is, of freshes. Yeah, this is going to be my first time seeing this movie, but I am actually a really big fan of just the zombie genre. Like, I love Shaun of the Dead and 28 it's, Days it's Later. It's great you mentioned Shaun of the Dead because after watching this movie, you're going to get so many more jokes <laughs> in Shaun of the Dead. There's a lot of direct references to this movie specifically. Wait, wasn't Shaun of the Dead a spoof on Dawn of the Dead? It's a spoof yeah. on jo- a zombie horror in general. Okay. But Night of the Living Dead being the godfather of zombie films. Uh, and Dawn of the Dead is a sequel to this. And a lot oh, of people okay. actually do consider it better. I actually prefer this one. Hmm. Um, it'll also be difficult to talk about until after the movie's over. Uh, Rick, did you mention that you had not seen it? I have not. <coughs> Excuse me. I have not seen this movie before. I think I've seen one of the later ones of this, and I was very uh, not impressed with it, and so I never felt the need to go back and watch any of the was earlier it, ones. Was it in a shopping mall? I think so. Was Maybe. Were they fast or slow? I don't remember well enough to say. Okay. I like, I like that. That was, that, was, that was almost certainly Dawn of the Dead. Uh, if they were slow, it's George A. Romero's original. If they were fast, it's Zack Snyder's remake. Mm. Um, I do not... I think you're, that you're there's... a big fan of Zack Snyder, aren't you there, Chris? <laughs> oh, uh, we are so doing a Zack Snyder re- retrospective one day. Let's it's going to be so great. <laughs> um, well, that's exciting. You guys haven't seen the movie. So uh, some things that I would advise people before they watch this movie specifically, it, it's very niche to where the culture was at the time. Um, 1968, try to put yourself into like the, the things that were happening there, you know, like a uh, race riots, <laughs> the Cold War. I'm going to need all to get a lot of relevant. drugs then. <laughs> the what? I'm going to need to get a lot of drugs then. <laughs> oh, lol. Uh, so yeah, just try to get yourself in that mindset a little bit, and also keep in mind, like at this point, the horror as a genre wasn't like awesome yet. There were a lot more of what we would call thrillers, um, but most horror back then was basically exclusively art house B campy films that were produced in the 50s and re-released or made as jokes for teens to go to the theaters at midnight to watch and they weren't actually scary they would what we would call campy they're just like cheap thrills for a good time things like them with the giant ants and attack of the 50 exactly like those are the exact type of movies that I'm referring to and then this movie came out and it was the same but completely different and Hmm. so That's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is you also have to remember, being the godfather of zombie movies, this movie invented a lot of those rules for zombies as a subgenre in all forms of media. Uh, Before this, this was like a completely new concept to anyone who had seen it. So there's a little bit of like you might watch something and be like, well, they should have known this would happen or they, you know, that's obviously like how they would work. 
But if you put yourself in an audience who had never been exposed to tropes with zombies specifically, the, tropes been established the, yet. the horror will make a lot more sense. Uh, so that's where I encourage y'all to approach the movie from. And I think that if you do that, you, you'll at least be able to see why some people might argue it's a classic. Although you may still not like it, which will make the conversation <laughs> fun. So shall we go ahead and get started? Definitely. I look forward to it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, things, things, yeah, it sounded like you had more, Binge. <laughs> anything else you'd like to add? Nope. Oh, well. Today we have our guest host, Maj Simpson's sisters. Night of the living dead. The dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Night of the Living Dead. Are we recording again? Yeah, yeah, maybe we should start talking about the movie. Yeah. Um, before we get started, I forgot to mention this earlier. If you're interested in movies that are super cheesy and old and horror like this was that were really influential to people like uh, John Carpenter and Guillermo del Toro and you want to hear them talk about it, there's a great series you can find on YouTube called Masters of Horror. There's also an amazing IFC documentary called The American Nightmare, which ties into how horror movies are tied to the... Uh, political climate that a certain audience will experience them in and I, I found it very interesting and George A. Romero comes up a lot in both of those documentaries yeah. uh, to tag along real quick um, there's also a fantastic series called uh, October Month of Spooks 1 uh, on our website which you should also check out which has some John Carpenter in it it does it does, it does. just it does. Tie, tying those all there's in a, together there's a lot of tie-ins uh, and uh, you know I now that we've watched the movie we can probably start talking about those tie-ins although we can also just do our normal Wait, thing and I go through the plot this week was i supposed to wear a tie ah, boo. yeah i Bad was joke, y- boo. you do stand out you're just wearing like nothing actually so i'll go that, ahead that's, and that's say it's never a good idea i'll go ahead and say that this movie was definitely a movie of the times yeah. in that i mean it's it's like that you can see the chocolate syrup blood kind of thing like mm-hmm. and the silly putty gross body effects on the face and that yeah. kind of thing. Like but to be fair, like the the black and the white helped a lot with that and it didn't look bad for nineteen sixty eight. It like, didn't. I, it, it actually I mean, looked as far as the gore effects are concerned exceptional like it it was not a rated film for one thing like mm-hmm. it was it was definitely like festival circuit only like for a while it definitely it eventually got mass distribution because it was a big hit at the festival but yeah. that sort of blood and gore i think about psycho the movie came out eight years before but at that point that was considered like the most violent thing ever and what we got was a little bit of thinned chocolate syrup getting poured down a drain basically and like the now, shadow of this, someone getting stabbed c- compared to this where like you see someone getting stabbed and there's thick blood dropping down the side of the wall there's a dead body at the top of the stairs there's and you people see eating pool. actual intestines yeah, yeah. like i mean they're, they're, they're holding actual intestines and it's ac- the stuff that i think they actually actually swallowed in ate was actually uh, i think a roast ham uh but mm, they covered it but they put like a prop like um bone in it and covered it in chocolate syrup yeah. um and and yeah like it definitely doesn't look as as good of its effects today but you have to kind of take things in context well, I, mean, I, I, mean? I definitely think it works uh now i will say that 
as we're as we're intro to kind of our main characters man this first main character that we get barbara so, so okay so the movie starts with barbara and her brother uh john i think yeah no. going, going yeah. to visit their dead dad's grave and put some flowers on it and that kind of thing and john gets killed by a zombie like pretty <laughs> daggone quick and it's kind of silly the way that he goes down i gotta be honest yeah like, it's yeah. like the bad like 50s movie fighting where it's like swing and then the punch sound effect comes in like mm-hmm. whoosh punch and he fell on a gravestone and the implication is that like he hit his head or something and either died or was knocked unconscious but like the way that he falls it is not at all clear that that's what has happened it's right. pretty clear i mean it, it's, it's just not <laughs> okay it's clear in that he falls and doesn't move but it's not clear in the same way that 90% of the punches in this movie are nowhere near where they're supposed to be uh, the, i'll, the, I'll the, give you that there's no like fair. crunch and there's no like fake blood there is a crunch like, like there is a very loud audible like <laughs> like when he falls down like that that wouldn't have happened if he just hit the ground he had to hit the stone sure that's not a big point though yeah. like his sister barbara flees the scene and <laughs> escapes to a farmhouse and man she is the most annoying like worse i would have been ever. i would have been more okay if she was so weird and terrible because she was slowly turning into a zombie except that's not what it is she's just weird and terrible and like oh, yeah. silent the whole well, time she's in a, sense. she's in a serious state of shock that's like, fine yeah but, but well, later it's... she like snaps out of it and then immediately goes back to the state of shock again i mean like it makes sense for a person to be under some state of of trauma but the thing is as a viewer i'm not empathizing with this person like i would if they were a real flesh and blood person i'm empathizing with them if i am as a character in a movie but to do that i need some level of you know her doing something to make me want her to live and every moment in this movie she is just the worst and i mean and she's she's got a serious case of the woman in a movie from the 60s where she's ditzy and oh the man better come along and give her a nice slap across the face to put her back in line or just a full on punch in the right, jaw <laughs> which again definitely a symptom of the movies of the time but man, like that is her character. Like she's so stupid, she can't figure out that you're not supposed to scream and play music boxes when you're trying to avoid being heard by zombies. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, she, her character, like you said, the there's music no empathy box for thing. Her. I think is is too too unfair. It's when 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 she's like repeating her stories and acting hysterical. Like I get, I honestly do get that because there is an element of like, come on, like level with these people. Uh, but the the music box scene I actually thought was like really interesting. Like I I I I I got a very genuine sense of like she is just not there. The anymore. over the overall problem with it is that it she's on screen for so long and that's the only thing happening while this other guy is doing so much to try and protect her that it just destroys any sense of empathy I have with this. It's person. frustrating because I mean how many times? So our other main character Ben comes in and he's gonna he, you know he's the second per- real person we we meet who's gonna stay with us throughout the movie and i mean immediately like we immediately sympathize with him because he's coming out of his way to try and help her uh you know mm-hmm. he makes sure that she's all right he lays her down on he's the couch super resourceful he's su- like he's instantly trying to fix this house up and, and make it in the right and spot all this yeah. and that. but i mean but again you have no empathy for barbara because he has to explain to her like a billion times that i need you to get some boards and she, and can't she just even stares do that, off right? yeah. in the space. He's like, she get does some do boards. That. She no, does no, get wood. She goes over no. and gets like three two-inch pieces of wood. <laughs> and she, I, I think y'all being a little hard on her, but I get it. Like she, she is 
genuinely like difficult to watch. You know, but she helped. But like you just said, we have a lot of connection to Ben because of how patient he is being with her. That's true. And I think that by the time we get to the end of the movie, I think that Barbara does fill a role in the story that is very important. But I also get that in the immediate, in the moments, in the scenes, it it is difficult. I'm not I'm not going to pretend like I enjoyed watching Barbara 100% of the time. She definitely complicates the plot unnecessarily, but it it, it is justified in the story. I <laughs> she, think, honestly, if I had not seen the specific events that happened to her, I would be able to empathize a lot more because I could imagine something, whatever she saw, to be so much more traumatic. But she just fall, saw her brother fall over and, and hit his head and, you know, maybe die. Yeah, that's fair. But that is not that traumatic on the scale of, like, of, like, of what she's doing yeah being eaten yeah that'd be so traumatic that it would just put you into permanent state of shock but she didn't see him getting eaten she, she saw, doesn't even she think saw he's him dead. fall down and bonk his head yeah and, and yeah exactly that's a perfect point she wants to go out and rescue him later she didn't even think he's dead well that's because she's that insane. may be <laughs> debate that's that's fair but i'm just saying like the the degree of what happens to her does not fit with the level of trauma she seems to be experiencing. And that disconnect for me makes it extremely difficult for me to do anything but be annoyed with her when she's on screen. But to your point, she does do a good service to Ben in that I am very, very much almost instantly completely on his side when he shows up. Yes. And starts helping her and starts doing all this stuff to try and take care of the house. And I really He's like this guy. He's genuinely more patient with her than... I was, yeah, you know, right, like, yeah. and th- that does make me respect. And even him. even after he's been frustrated, because she, you know, she comes and freaks out, like, "Hey, we have to go save Ben," and starts hitting him, and that's when he like hauls off and socks her. Right? Yeah, it's not until she gets physically violent with him that he loses his patience. Right, but afterwards, he's still shown being sympathetic for her. You know, he's he's looking through the closets looking for a gun and sees a pair of of ladies' shoes, and he pulls he brings them out for her because he knows she's lost his shoes. Like he's still being courteous to her despite her only being like a drag yeah i love ben like i think ben's ben is great an awesome protagonist in yes. this movie he's fantastic and uh rick you had asked in the th- this may not be the best time to bring this up i mean um, might as well uh so one of the interesting things about ben is the way the movie ends uh it was ballsy enough for them to kill their protagonist yeah uh it was extremely timely that he was an african-american in the story and he got shot by a not really government militia that's going around trying to clean up this problem uh and that when they shoot him they put him on a pile with a bunch of corpses and burn him and this movie they finished editing it and putting it to tape and threw it in a trunk and started driving to the film festival and heard on the radio that martin luther king jr was shot Yep. Then this movie premiered at a film festival that week. I mean, I wonder how much uh, that series of events is what has made this movie like as popular and as big as it is. It absolutely had an enormous effect. And one of the craziest things about it is George A. Romero has said in several interviews over and over again, he said, it's so it just like it's so funny. Like I, I didn't even write him as a black character. <laughs> I just wrote him as a character. And I and, think that's uh, pretty and, clear from the movie because it, the situations that he is and the characters that he has to interact with, I think, would be much more obviously racist if they had intended him to be a specifically black character. Right, because we're introduced later uh, to new characters who have been hiding in the cellar, and one of them is a con- uh, like a crotchety, angry old man, he- and. 
especially in this time period. You know, this is a movie from the 60s. Like, this is a character where, had the script been written for people of specific races, it would fit this character in this time period for a lot of that to come out in the script. Yeah, regardless of, of anything else, this character is written to be as unlikable as it is possible to make him. And so it would play for him to be obviously racist to this character. I don't think that even then that would get many people on his side, and it would certainly turn many people off of him, I think. But what's interesting is that, like, whether or not it was intentional from the script and in production, it still, like, spoke to people, right? Right. And I think that, to your point, that not intentionally writing it that way may have, in a weird way, like, served that message better. Mm -hmm. And even though it was not Romero's intent, he's even said, like, I'm kind of glad that people, like, grasped onto that and, like, ran with that. And because we're all products of the the time we live in. And no matter what we do, we're always going to, as artists, when we create something, it's going to be tinged by our viewpoints and by our perspective. And I end up liking that. And that's what I did with my subsequent film. So Dawn of the Dead, they did aggressively pursue a message and they did the same thing with Day of the Dead. Hmm. I still don't prefer those movies to this one. Uh, and I think part of that might be because it, it's more subtle. It's more interesting that there's a character who's not being outlandishly racist at this African-American man who's trying to take charge because that's kind of how like more popular racism works anyway. You just yeah. you just try to use microaggressions to uh, put those people down around you and make yourself feel superior if you feel like you're entitled to that. And I think that this movie portrayed an example of that very powerfully. And it's just crazy that it was not intentional at all. He was just the best actor who applied for the part. Yeah. Uh, so I again, I think this is the perfect segue into meeting these characters. We meet. I think his name's Henry. Uh, his wife Helen, the Coopers, right? The Mr. Coopers, Mrs. Cooper. yeah. uh, and they have a daughter who's very been, sick, who's been bit. Yeah, she's been bit, but we don't find that out yet. Yeah. But she, she's she's sick down she's in the basement. Clearly sick, and yeah. Is... Because then, this is you know, however many years later, and we've seen so many zombie movies, we know instantly. Oh, okay, she's bit and going to turn into a zombie later. Right, but but again, that's not an established time, trope yet. Exactly. Clearly, at the time, that would have been a shocking turn. Yeah, I mean, imagine they, imagine hearing that halfway through the movie and being like, they have a kid downstairs who they've said is sick, and and, the, and not fully understanding how that would play out. Like and that's or crazy. Or even just forgetting about and, it because she's not really brought up except for like once or twice, and it's very quickly. She's yeah. Like, oh no, yeah. like I'm protecting my daughter. Yeah. yeah. And and to to be fair to this movie, like the thing that happens with that character, with that little girl in particular, is to me at least probably the most shocking moment of the movie in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, it's a little girl stabbing her mother to death with a trowel. That's really messed up, no in matter this, how you come at it. In the 60s, probably one of the m- most effective, gory films, having also a little kid turn against her mother, is like, in that time period specifically, like, drove people crazy. Like, at this film festival they premiered it at, um, apparently Roger Ebert was there, and like kids like started running out of the theater in droves because they were just like kids you know like they were just like yeah scary movie it's like how i portrayed it before you're going to go watch a bunch of ants tear through a city it's not really that scary but watching a kid murder her mother with a trowel and the blood actually looks pretty good like not what anyone expected Uh, like that's crazy (laughs) Um. (laughs) but yeah this guy is the worst but the other characters that come out of the the basement with him—it's like are, a teenage couple. Tom yeah, exactly. And Judy, I believe. Yeah, it was Tom and Judy. 
Um, and they're all right. I don't mind them. Like, Tom is clearly not sure which of these two older guys he's going to, you know, decide to be on the side of for a while. And, man, man, do they make a good job. Like, they do a really good job of making Henry an asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's constant it, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that you'd be like, yeah, you're stressed in this situation, but like there's no re- reason to be that obstinate about it. So they, they come up and Ben, our main character, who's been awesome and helpful the whole time, says, you know what? We're going to have a better chance of surviving if we stay upstairs because we're going to be able to run out a back door, uh, see them coming, flag for help if help is passing by. Like there's all these reasons to stay up here. And Henry Cooper is just like, no, 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 we have to be downstairs. That's the best place to be. We have to be downstairs and you're wrong. And who put you in charge? This goes on for a long time. Like this conversation is a long argument and it feels real because of that. But at the same time, it does drag a bit for me here. Uh, I really like it. I, and I think one of the reasons why I like it is because like the, the whole concept of like survival horror, like, like, this is also one of the earlier instances of that and they needed to portray i think like a more realistic conversation where two people are hashing out all of their possible options yeah and i think it helps to remember that cooper's experience was that a horde of them flipped over their car and in the same way that um that barbara is just traumatized and shocked he's probably just like bone rattled afraid right you know and I, i think that helps because early on I kind of get both sides, you know, like I, I really do understand and hearing them hash it out does make me go like they're making not invalid points, but I'm inclined to believe Ben because I've seen how Ben treats other people. Right. And, to and be, that makes a difference. And to be the most fair I possibly can be to Henry, Henry's right. They should have just holed up in the in the cellar. That's Why? how it ends. Because that's how it ends. And he's fine. There's all the zombies in the house. They know he's in there. They're trying to get to him. They can't. Clearly, had they done that, everything would have been fine. Well, well, they until, would have been trapped uh, in the girl. Until everyone shot. Well, yeah, but between the six of them, they can take one little girl. Until she gets a hold of that trowel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, like, worst case scenario, that girl cha- changes and they have one zombie to deal with versus they all die except for Ben. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could also ar- make the argument that uh, the only reason that everything gets screwed up is because they try to try to go to the safe zone sure but that's no, not no, no, that's, no, not, no, Henry's like, that's fault. not even the reason that everything screws up Mr. everything Cooper screws up because freaking up. tom decides to just hose down the side of the truck with gasoline and then uh what's his name just set, accidentally sets it on accidentally fire said, it's, yeah. it's stupid like i within the movie i get why it happens like for movie reasons but out of movie reasons just looking at it as something that happens it's like come on dude yeah you're just hosing down the side of your car yeah, it, it, like, it doesn't look super well staged. No, it, it looks like a oh no. It's almost you, wacky like, comedy levels. It around. Yeah, yeah. It, it's I mean it's like the Zoolander playing around with with uh, gasoline. But yeah, kind of that thing. that definitely is not anything of Henry's doing. He, you know, as far as I can tell, he had the right idea, which is interesting to me because he's such a jerk about it, and I think that's a big part of why they don't go with him. He's so unlikable and so anti charismatic that. His idea, even though it's the best one, is, you know, basically ignored for the rest of the movie. Well, and it's not just that he's not charismatic. It's that he's shown to be, like, sneaky and cowardly. Yeah. And, like, so when they go out, so the plan is that they've all put together, uh, Ben's truck is still outside, but it needs gas. They're going to drive over to the barn, fill it up from the pump, and then they're, they'll be good to go and escape mm-hmm. to the safe zone. Well, they go out, and it catches fire. Uh, 
what is it Tom and Judy? Tom and Judy. Tom and Judy, the teenage couple, they get caught in it and burn up. Mm-hmm. And as Ben's making his way back, Henry's just like, nah, I'm not going to let him in. <laughs> Which to yeah. me is especially bad because I feel like if the three guys with took went out there with like three weapons, they could take on a good portion of these zombies. Because Ben takes out three on his own. It's yeah. already been made clear that at least one of the other two has fought off several zombies on his own. They're not exactly super skilled fighters. And once they know we just got a cave in their head and they're done... Like, I feel like well, if they made a, a good run for it, they could get several of them. But to be uh, fair, by that point in the movie that they know that's how you got to do it, there's too many to even make that a possibility. But they, had they early on well, that, done also, the brave thing and tried to go out there and fight them, they probably could have done it pretty well at least. But, I mean, the, that whole fight scene where we see Ben take out three of them, it's like he has to actually, like, physically exert himself. Oh, yeah. And he, he has to spend time with each one. It's not just like, oh, He looks bang, exhausted yeah. bang, afterwards. Which, right. bang, okay, dumb. which is something we haven't really brought up, but the zombies in... Let, like, let's compare the zombies in this movie to our standard, everyday, we're all used to them zombies, yeah. right? Like, in this one, it's very much like, these look like full-bodied, able humans coming after you kind of slowly and they've got a little bit of gunk on their face that yeah. kind of thing like they they are in a lot of ways much more frightening than the normal zombie that we're used to that's very slow very shambling you know that kind of rotting corpse very dim-witted just kind of like a one-track mind like exactly. these zombies like we see them pick up bricks to break windows mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. i mean doesn't another one later pick up something else yeah like, the there's trowel. a couple different things yeah. like that yeah. yeah they they are clearly at least reasonably capable fighters, and it makes sense that in a group they would be very, very dangerous. Right, but but I but I feel like that's important to bring up because again, like you said, Ben gets winded trying to fight three of them one yeah. at a time, spaced out between each one, mm-hmm. like which is not something that would happen in a modern zombie movie. In yeah, a modern like if you're zombie movie, Walking Dead. Yeah, you'd like whack it's... one of them with a golf club, and it'd be done in a second, and yeah. you go on to whacking the next one. And it's not until like a group of thirty of them come, show up that you're having problems. And that's it, not the case in this movie. And he definitely does not have any chance to know. Okay, I have to destroy the skull. He just happens to be lucky enough that that's what he goes for. He wastes a lot of bullets shooting them in the chest, going for like the heart that kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah yeah i i think that bringing up the walking dead is an interesting comparison and i think one of the reasons this movie still holds up to me at least is because it, it does have that niche you know where whole, zombie movies right now they tend to be all one way or all the other they're all walking dead style slow and shambling and it's only if there is like an enormous horde of them that you have a problem but this movie clearly establishes that a group of three is very intimidating and difficult to deal with, and it ramps up to a climax where there is a horde of them, and that is a lot more intense to consider. Yeah. Which I was yeah. – ju- I mean, honestly, I was impressed. The the very last bit where Ben finally makes it down to the cellar, when that horde of zombies came, I was actually – like, that was the first time that I was impressed with the how, how the zombies made me feel, right? Because until then, it had been very – like you meant, like you mentioned, it was very campy, and I thought, you know, this is a great movie for maybe some film history. But other than that, it's kind of a you know bad movie night movie. But that scene specifically, I was impressed with the kind of the tension that they manufactured using that big horde of zombies. Well, yeah, and I think I, what I liked about uh, this movie, or at least the zombies from this movie, it's like I know a lot of uh, media they use the basically paper mache zombies at this point, where it's just like, oh, we're just going to give you a crap ton of them. But you can just flick them upside, like slap them upside the head, and they all go down. And so, like this one, it's like they felt like you're being attacked by three people, 
Yeah. And like it's going to take effort as opposed to some of them where you can like where you yeah. like The Walking Dead where you can attack 20 and be perfectly fine yeah. by yourself. Well, and they even say, you know, on the TV because they've got a TV and a radio in the house. And on the TV, they say, you know, bash their heads in, catch them on fire or shoot them. But we see ones where they've had their heads bashed come back like that doesn't work even though the tv says it does like the one from the very beginning it has first chasing her his his full-on head has to be destroyed like you have to break the brain and so if you're just hitting them a couple times on the head that's not going to do it they're they're much more resilient than your modern zombie yeah in a lot of ways um so ben makes it back and has a little scuffle with hank because uh or henry because he's well i wanted to talk about one thing real quick i wanted to go back to the truck scene okay go ahead because honestly like every time i've watched it like this is just this is too much like freaking judy like oh my god that part is awful but she is such a great character until that scene like uh, she is i i every scene girlfriend she's she's at least like She's very believable. She has she has good like I really believe all the performances she has on screen, and I care about her and uh, and Hank and their relationship. Like Tom, even though Tom. they don't, sorry Tom and uh, I, I I genuinely like am interested in them. She doesn't get a lot of screen time, but I like her. I mean, she's like, not bad. She's not okay in in comparison. Like with since Siege on screen at the same time as Barbara, I like her a lot more than I like Barbara, and I care oh, about yeah. her a lot more than Barbara. She's, but she's a, kind of a non presence to me. Like she's there. I'm aware of her and. The character that I like second most to Ben is interested in her, but she's not like when she dies. I'm not like okay, well, I'm sad that she's gone. If anything, well, I'm I was annoyed because it's her again. She just caused problems by rushing out at the last minute to jump in the and truck. That, that's what I hate about it is that like there's literally no reason for They're her to do that. They're coming back for her anyway. And then yeah, exactly. And then she. Straight up kills her boyfriend because she gets her jacket stuck in the. Oh my god! Like, which I don't believe. Earth. She's literally just sitting there, <laughs> staring ahead, like they're in traffic, and she's like, "Oh, yeah. my uh, my jacket is is caught." I it, guess it, it's. It, there's no other way to put it. It's nonsense. Like it is stupid. It it, it really does. Ugh, it it destroys that scene for me. It to me that is way worse than the gas spilling. Like just. It, it, and it only hurts a little more that she's a female character. Like again, it, again, it's, it really it's a does. Women, like, women in '60s movies don't know anything and need the man to yeah, come I, save I, them. Come on, yeah. like it, it's just it, it's painful. I will say though that I like that they come back to the um, truck coming, like the zombies coming to the truck and ripping them apart and eating the, what is left of their corpse. Like that gives that more of a sense of finality than just the truck exploding, which I feel is where that well, the last we would see of that in a modern movie. It wouldn't like go back to Ben escaping and then come back to the truck and show them getting eaten. And that scene is nuts. Like yeah. that at the yeah. time. It's the first real gruesome scene we've seen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And other than like a few little like, okay, they've had their heads bashed in and there's a corpse upstairs that's been slightly. Right. Eaten, but still I this, I mean, this is the first time in the, like it, it genuinely, Again, special effects of being, 1968 and low be, budget. Right, being what they were, but still, like they're for all intents and purposes, they're pulling off limbs and just like gnawing into them, and it gives close close-ups showing, like, look, these the people that we've had act as zombies are genuinely eating whatever they're eating right yeah. now. Yeah, 
And so if you're able to suspend your disbelief enough to say that this ham hock is a human thigh, well, okay, <laughs> they're person... actually eating a human thigh then. I mean, it's pretty convincing. It's pretty convincing by today's standards, I think. Like, it's all right. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's no. Pretty, it being in black and white, I don't think I can overstate how much I think that helps. Yes. It, it really does. It's honestly... 90% of the reason I prefer this to the sequels because the, the effects, in the, effects, the effects got, in the sequels the... in color just do not help. For whatever reason, Dawn of the Dead is extremely popular, and I I just don't like watching it at all because <laughs> it's it's just too far over the edge. It's just too hammy. No ham pun hammy. intended yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. I, I have a question um, for you guys. What did you think of both the prep montages and the, like, radio, like, exposition, like, radio and TV exposition dumps? I feel like I mean, they... I, like, I honestly thought that, like, it was, it was done in a fairly interesting way. I mostly agree. I think it is mostly interesting. I do desperately miss the days when radiation could do literally anything. Oh, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I think they go on a little too long, which I will say helps a little bit with the realism of it because it's not just going to be a 20-second info dump like there would be today. But at the same time, it goes on to a point where I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, I get it. We can We can move on. I don't need this much telling me over and over again about all right. this. I don't care what the generals think is going on. I mean, I think that scene is the one that I would cut I think, first. I think it's I a very effective way of getting exposition across because this is being shown to an audience who doesn't know what zombies are. Definitely. And so I mean, explaining... That... I, it's not until the TV anchor tells us that we realize these are people who've risen from the dead. Yeah. Like, they don't even bring that up until we hear it on TV. And I think that that's important... For an audience who doesn't know any of these things yet, right? right? Yeah. For for people that don't know what zombies are, having someone tell you these are people that, like, it doesn't matter how they've died, unless they were burned or shot through the head, anyone who dies is coming back. But that's important because yeah. later we see some of our characters die. And we're like, yeah. oh, crap. We already, like... That little girl is dying downstairs. Exactly. Um, I also think that having it told through the TV by a news anchor is effective. Like it reminds me of other movies that I've seen for like, like old Godzilla movies where a lot of the exposition comes through. Okay. Godzilla is now tearing through these towns. Mm -hmm. People who live in those towns run away yeah. and you're like, Oh, okay. Now I know where Godzilla is. Right. Yeah. Like I think it's an effective way of it definitely getting is. And that's, exposition across. That's definitely why it's used. I mean that, that technique is still seen in movies today as far as like mm -hmm. the news is telling you what's going on. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely, there for a reason it just goes on a little too long for me that's fair um i would agree that i would probably consider cutting the general scene yeah i think i think the rest of it's honestly really good yeah I'd say uh, so. but the general scene especially since you can't hear most of it like it, it's just like it's filmed as an actual frantic news interview it, it feels like one of those scenes that they probably thought well, if this actually happened, what else? What else are we not thinking about? Oh, well, they they probably have an interview with someone at at the Capitol, and it's like, yeah, we should put that in there, and it doesn't really help much. But yeah. yeah, and to me, the big problem of it is it shows an area where this is not a problem, where things are reasonably calm. There aren't zombies like kicking down the door of the White House, and that to me takes away a bit of the terror of the situation. Well, they they do say that it's only. I believe that it's only ha half of the East Coast. Yeah. So theoretically, uh, it's only like the, the Southeast. Exactly. But showing me a situation where everything is fine and clearly this situation is being handled does something to lessen the terror for me. 
Well, I mean, I I, I think it, it heightens uh, the terror because they don't really know what's going on. Like, you, you can hear them saying, like, uh, we don't know what's going on. The reporters don't, but I don't get that impression necessarily from the general. He just doesn't want to say. Well, I th- they, they're still trying to figure out, I think, what is going on. Sure. And that's, that is what uh, – and, like, so they obviously don't know the level of – but there is a clear, like, okay, we know we can kill them in these ways. They're, you know, and we have a military. It's not as though, like, this zombie outbreak is going to destroy the entire country, as you would see in later zombie movies. I think what would have made it work more for me, and I think this is actually part of what they may have been going for also, is that they don't know when or if it can end. You yeah. know, like, well, at this point, we don't know if it's going to be a 24-hour thing. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be the new world order, you know? And I think that's what could have made it a lot more effective is if like there was a bit of information saying, well, what about the, what about the situation in, uh, in uh, Colorado or whatever? And it's like, Oh yeah, you're right. I guess that does change the whole, like the, the turnaround. We'll, we'll get a temporary, we'll get a temporary update to you soon uh, to make it just feel a lot more like this is the end of the world. You know, how cool would it have been though? Like if while they're trying to have this frantic interview and they're trying to get into this car, a zombie just comes up on them and grabs at one of them. He doesn't even have to actually get one of them. Like the general could punch him in the head and smash him there, but that would add such a sense of there is nowhere that is safe. And this thing is happening globally everywhere. Things are going wrong. That's the, that's the one thing that, I cannot stand about modern movies. Oh yeah, that this, it, like it has like for for us to think it's like an actual issue, it has to happen globally. No, it doesn't. Like this can be something that is very localized, and like oh, right. well, this this will completely change like this like quarter of the United States going forward for the rest of the time. But it's able to be at least contained. Like that is fine, and that still brings terror to me. It doesn't have to be something where it's you sure. where it has to be affect like affecting the entire world. But it sh- like from what they're telling me is the cause it, it reasonably should be since it's like okay there's this radiation from space so shouldn't this be doing every like doing this I think everywhere reasonably could be I don't know. is more frightening because <laughs> what's more frightening is not knowing right not right. knowing if it is or is not and i think that was the missed opportunity yeah. not our for sure is because to Binge's point, like, if you make it feel too large, it can feel, like, too difficult to even comprehend, and that makes it too difficult to be scared, Yeah, you know? So I think I think that could be part of it. Well, no, but, I like, I'm, like, it's just, it's not fun at this point for me to watch a movie where, oh, every, the whole world is going down, like, going down with this thing. It's like, okay, cool, like, I've seen this movie. I've seen this post-apocalyptic right. thing before. Until but, Will I mean, Smith's blood cures it all. Yeah, I don't think right. that's <laughs> necessarily a fair thing at this time, because that's not something you'd seen so many, so many times in the 60s. Right, but but I don't think they need that. I, like, yeah. I think I think for an audience that is that all this is new for, where they're coming off of scenes where they're seeing people, like, actually eat flesh, yeah, which is horrifying. Like having that breather of okay, here's here's people who have stuff in control. Like I, I feel like that tempers it, that balances it. It doesn't. It just goes too far to the other side for me. It's just like okay, well, these guys yeah, clearly have it in it hand. In 2017, right? But even then, I would have been like, oh, okay, so this issue, they just have to ride it out for a bit. No, no, that's fine. I, I just say I think at this point we're nitpicking old. Oh yeah, like we've like, definitely spent like more time ben on this scene than it is in Barbara the movie. goes too far for me, but I'm like, like. That's part of the movie well, at to, that time. Like you have to think of 
when it yeah. was made. To transition to something else kind of along the same lines that I really like about this movie, I like that this is for the most part a one location movie. Yes, I yeah. really like movies that take place in a singular space, and especially horror movie. movies and thrillers, because it really you can use claustrophobia to your advantage in a lot of circumstances. And I think this movie does that very well. Yeah. And I, I particularly like how, even though it, it's kind of confusing because we don't know exactly what Barbara's situation is, I like how the big, this first few moments we get in this house is just her walking around, which is for us establishing the layout of the house. Yeah. Yeah. We know there's an upstairs. We know that there's the kitchen and the living room. We don't know about the cellar yet. Which I don't like. It feels like they got to that point in the script and they're like, okay, um, we don't know what to happen next. Oh, there's a cellar and there's people in there. And they just decided not to come up or say anything. I actually really like it. I hate that. That just feels so, it feels out of left field in a bad way. Like they didn't check that door to see if it was there was anything there or like, you know. It was barred up. It was locked. Yeah, but there was literally like a big thing in front of it, and he moved it. And when he moved it, we then become aware of it. Wait, then how the hell did they do that? If they were inside the door, how did they put another door in front of the door? I don't know. Spooky. (laughs) Yeah, it just makes even less sense now. (laughs) I mean, I I still like it. Well, I I mean, (laughs) and and if I'm trying to uh, prepare a house to be like withstand an attack i'm not gonna be like checking like every single door i'm oh, going I am. to be if there's yeah, zombies I, out i'm gonna be checking every exactly i want to make sure there's none of them in the house with me because if i'm nailing the doors in it's gonna be real bad if one sneaks up on me while i'm not paying attention and also the part that i what, even I, less buy disagree well no he checks all the rooms that are open and like he, one of those doors would have to be opened and or destroyed by the zombie, they've shown that they don't like open doors. They just break them down. Look, so, man, I mean, if there's a zombie apocalypse happening and you come home, are you not gonna like look in the bathroom just because the door's closed? Like, you're gonna open every single door. Yeah, but I'm gonna make like, sure that cool, all no the zombies. doors are locked and all the stuff's done before I like start like. I also just really don't like that these guys are just like. Oh, we didn't come up for reasons. It's a flimsy reasons. excuse. Yeah. But I feel well, like no, it's explained later that with guy's, how much Mr. Yeah. Cooper like, is cowardly. I just exactly. Don't, I don't buy it from Tom and Jane. They clearly don't have that much respect for Mr. Cooper. Well, and that guy's clearly not got that much control over the situation. That's, so. that, that's not clear, though. It's not clear that they don't have respect for him. I think it's clear for us because we don't have respect for him. But, but we don't time, know how long they've teenager. been traveling with yeah, each other. They're the two time, teenagers. It's two teenagers, and here's an older man who's taken charge of the situation but i also don't believe that he could be quiet enough that no one would hear him yelling at them no you can't go up there to talk to them from downstairs well most of the stuff that had been happening was pretty eventful up to that point also (laughs) well i could also see that they're like arguing about this in hushed tones and making sure that they don't uh raise suspicion because 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 i could harry could have it makes sense that he thinks that they are going to attack them or kill them or that they're the zombies themselves. And so why would he yell and make himself known? Again, Same thing with to Tom. Me, why would he make himself known? Because these guys clearly are not zombies from the way that they're acting upstairs. They're talking to each other. That's not the thing that these zombies are doing. But, but, but more importantly, to me, it doesn't work because I guess I'm just looking at it from a narrative standpoint. And it's so clear to me that when they were writing this movie, they got to this point and were like, um, we need more characters. There's a seller. I mean, the, the introduction argument 
does go on and gets drawn out a little bit longer. I, I can understand getting drawn out, but the argument makes sense to me, and it adds drama. It adds character to the movie, and I, I think that's a huge strong point well, for it. Well, it adds character to these characters, too. I mean, it, his points, they even go out of their way to point out that uh, Mr. Cooper's argument is just all a mask to hide the facade that he was just frightened. He's like, you heard someone scream. You have to have realized that these things don't scream. And he's like, well, we didn't know what was going on. It's like, so come up and help. Like, that's as simple as it is. And what it, the reason why is not because, oh, how did he not know? I think the easiest explanation is that they did know. He's a coward, and he's in control of that group. That makes sense, and that adds drama. Or I at do least, like or at least that Tom... aspect of it. I do like what you're what you're talking about there. It's just the setup as a whole really took me out of the movie the instant it happened. I just I just don't understand the the setup that you're referring to then. Because... Again, it's just the okay. We need something to happen now. Oh, there's a basement like that. Just to me, it felt so far out of left field that it didn't work for me because the guy clearly was going upstairs to go take a nap or something no, when he was all this happened. Up windows upstairs. Yeah. No, he was saying he was like he didn't take anything up there to do that with. Like he just no, went no, up there. No, he literally said they were like, "Is it all boarded up?" He's like, "Yeah, except for just a couple more windows upstairs." Yeah, I've got the rest of them taken care of. Yeah, he's been boarding windows up upstairs. I don't know. Like uh, to me, he it looked it in like the movie. he. No, he said he was tired and he's going upstairs. That's what he says right to Barbara right before he does all this. I don't remember that. Either I don't remember way, that. he's going upstairs to take a nap. And leaving Barbara, the woman he's trying to protect this entire time and downstairs. And he catatonic. says, hey, if anything happens, come yell for me and I'll come down to help. No, he doesn't say he's taking a nap. He says, hey, I'm going to be upstairs. If anything happens, I'll be able to hear okay. it. Okay, maybe to me, I went with the idea that, okay, upstairs is probably safe because no one's tried to get in from upstairs yet. Also, he's been boarding up literally every single window and door in this very window and he door heavy house. There's a lot of so windows and doors. So he's probably pretty freaking tired at this point and needs a break, and he's going to go take a break and then get back to what he was doing. I, I just don't I, I don't just remember don't, him I, saying that I don't at all. Understand that why the may premise, have been the implication the that I got there. The premise of a seller is a problem. It's, again, it's just... They clearly ran out of things to do in the story and then realized, okay, we need to do more stuff now. There's but, a seller. It but, took me but out. But it's in good that it happened. In all stories, you're like, okay, what? where do we go from here? Yeah. Like, oh, I don't, that's okay. But yeah, why had he not like it. tried that door before? We didn't see him do it, so we have no reason to assume he did. We have no reason to go, oh, okay, there's a locked door here. Why is there a locked door here of all things? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, we've already brought that up as a problem that the character didn't do, but I don't think that's a fault. So the thing as a freaking whole does doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. I don't know why this is big, being made into such a big deal. I don't like it because you're making for it a me. big deal. Well, it, it's you just keep coming back at me with what I'm saying. <laughs> well, you, we're explaining you keep, that you're wrong. You keep claiming that it's just all oh, this. Whoever was writing this just ran out of things to do. That's the way it feels to me from an audience member. You're the one who's always going on about things taking you out of the movie, ruining for you. So this thing, which honestly is not that big a deal, took me in particular out of the movie for whatever reason. Sorry. I, 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 I understand. I just want to understand the argument. And I understand the there seems to be a plot hole if there was something in front of it and they're all downstairs. I actually understand that. And that, that makes sense to me. The structure just doesn't. And I'm just wanting to understand that. Because to me, like it, it's it a really strong element of the movie. It is too convenient a thing to happen at this point in the movie. It's the same thing of... Uh, I mean, I, I can't even come up with a, uh, a, a uh, different thing off the top of my head. I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. I don't know how to explain it any th more thoroughly than I have. It is narrative convenience at its worst to me. Sorry. 
Okay. I. Oh, Whatever. Oh. <laughs> it's not that big a deal in the overall scope of things. Why like are you I don't. It's such a big deal, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so Ben comes back in and headache. has a tussle with Henry. How convenient! Oh God, it's like they ran out of things. They had to have a tussle. Why don't go ahead and fight then? <laughs> That'll be something fun, I guess. <laughs> they tussle. Um. Wait, 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 hold on. Let's get back into the context of exactly where. What, what is this tussle? Is this the. Okay, so, this so is when, ben, like, ben Harry is, is refusing back. to let him back right, in the ben house. Is trying to oh, come man. Back after filling up the truck. This and is Henry's the. Henry's not letting him back in until he's, like, banging on the door and fending off zombies. Uh, up till this moment, Mr. Cooper, like, he's an asshole, but he's not, like, the worst person. He's an enormous asshole. But in this moment, we confirm, like, screw you. You know, like, that. that is. You are straight up a coward and we know that based on everything in the way the movie frames him where he's literally hiding half of his body behind another pillar he looks like he's cowering behind a tree almost like mm-hmm. it's just like it's just so like pitiful and right. he does come out and help once he realizes this is my best mode of survival now that he is in the house but it, it's it does solidify him as much of if the zombies would not be the antagonist, he kind of would be. It did that, I agree. To me, this moment, uh, to Ben's reaction to this pushed him a little off of the full-on hero that I thought he was before. I uh, completely understand taking a swing at the guy. I get that. Yeah. But he takes it further than I think I am okay with. Like It goes to a point where it's like, okay, we get it. You're really angry. The guy's not putting up any fight, though, and you keep swinging. Like I, I think... At the, I think I think I would have had that problem if he'd like actually threatened to kill him, that kind of thing. But I mean, I don't know. I could I could totally understand taking like four or five swings of the. I, I, yeah. It's especially understandable. Especially like of these everything, things. every like the entire build up to this scene where Harry has been absolutely non cooperative for the, right. the entire thing, being a complete asshole, then lets Judy run out and screw everything up. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying that this is not justified or that it is uh, not completely understandable or in character. It just takes takes him down a little bit from the very, very likable hero that he has been up to this point. But is that a pro or a con for you? It is a little of both. I think... um, I think it weakens for me the ending a little bit, especially what when he ends up shooting. Uh, is it Hank? Th- that the guy? Harry. Harry. When he ends up shooting Harry, that is a big part of why I am not nearly as sympathetic to him getting shot at the end of the movie. Um, but it is completely understandable, and from a uh, perspective of making this situation feel as real as it could it works really well, I think, and it makes the yeah. movie a lot stronger from that perspective. I agree. And uh, you brought up that he does end up shooting Hank. Uh, or Henry. Harry. Harry? Harry. Henry? We, I Hank? think we've all gotten it wrong. Harry. It H-Dog. Harry. Cooper. Mr. Cooper. There you go, Cooper. Uh, he does end up shooting uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, but that's later. Uh, the, the zombies are... Like breaking down the boards that have been put, they're re- they're doing the the classic zombie thing where it's just the boarded up window and you just see like thirty hands come through and start trying to grab at stuff. Mm-hmm. And Ben goes to help push up the board, and Mister Cooper's response is to go grab the gun and say, "Okay, I've got the power now. We're getting into the basement." Like he is full on antagonist at that point. Yeah, he yeah. is one hundred percent not 
serving the group. He's actually hurting. Because if they had a chance at defending the house and actually getting everyone to survive, he just ruined it by basically dropping a trump card. And I feel like it was the only reasonable response to someone who's acting that way. Like, what else are you going to do? If he's willing to point a gun at you to shoot you for his plan, like... It just it's, which and that's not to say that Mr. Cooper's plan isn't better, right? Because, because it is. Because we'd find out later that the the cellar is definitely the place to be. Mm-hmm. It's more the fact that when Ben needs help, Mr. Cooper's reaction instead is to take over, take the power for himself, and now he's in charge. Right? Yeah, he it, he's once again not helping defend against the zombie. He's more concerned with who's in charge here right i i mean even his wife is helping prop open the door this is the thing for me i would have still been on ben's side a lot a lot more if during the struggle one of them had gotten shot but because he clearly has the gun away mr cooper is standing there terrified basically with his hands up and ben decides to take the shot that takes me way way off of ben's side on this in the fight like i don't think that he's a hundred percent wrong because this guy clearly is a threat to the entire group. But at the same time, that to me felt like not a decision. Okay. This is the best thing for the group. You've got to die, but a I'm angry and I'm going to take revenge at you for this. It feels real though. Like, Oh yes. Very real. He's no longer the perfect hero. Sacrifice himself. Do everything right all the time. Exactly. But, but it feels like a real person panicking in a stressful situation who'd, who'd, kept his cool for the majority of the tense situations that have happened yeah. and he's finally fed up with this one dude who's been nothing but pro- trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's for me it's a pro because yeah, not only does it make the movie more interesting, uh, I mean, it it just I un- completely get all of this. I do and too. And I I feel like it I genuinely feel like it was the most reasonable response for Ben to take and that makes me like him more. Like it I don't like the situation See, because I would like for everyone to live. But to yeah, me, I I like the way the story plays out in this way. To me it's almost poetic justice that he also is shot by the end of the movie because that's exactly what he did to this guy in almost exactly the same situation. Very very similar in a lot of ways. Um, he's got an, a guy who is a potential threat to him and he just takes the shot and decides to murder him. I'd say, I'd I feel say like very, I feel like it's, it's pretty po- surface level. Well, I'd say it's more like dramatic irony. Than yeah. That, that's justice. a good, that's a good way to that, put it. Dramatic I, irony. But yeah, he, I get that. he is, he has dealt the same death that he gives someone else. I think that the big difference though is, is the why. Like Mr. Cooper is proven to be an immediate threat. Whereas, um, Whereas Ben is a suspected threat. Yeah. You know, and that's a huge difference. Aside from that, the only difference I see is that there's a gun involved. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just the fact that he, in my mind, very unjustly killed a man who still could have helped them in that situation. Like, maybe he's got to watch him. Maybe he's got to take the bullets out of the gun. But the gun's not that useful against the zombies to begin with. Like, he has never made himself clear that he's really good at shooting, making headshots. I mean, Cooper has also never made it made himself clear as being helpful in any way. No, he did help him get away from that door. Like, without uh, Cooper's help, he's not going to be able to board up that door on his own. He couldn't get to the stuff, I don't think. Maybe, but Cooper didn't do that out of... Uh, selflessness. He did that out of selfishness. I'm not it was, saying he did, but yeah, and I think that's what makes it more justified. Is that Cooper has 
proven himself to only be motivated by selfishness. Sure. And so because the situation's still developing and because he's proven that he's only looking out for numero one, as far as I'm concerned, not well, even looking out for his family. That. Like I don't I, no, I don't buy that necessarily. I like, do because is... his wife is propping up the door. Oh yeah, his she... wife's awful, but he or his wife is awful to him and like this whole situation is bad for everyone involved. Like she is constantly tearing this guy down throughout the movie. And he deserves it, let's be fair. But I'm just saying, like, to say that he's not at all invested in his family isn't reasonable to me, especially when the last thing that he does with his life is try to get to his daughter to make sure she's okay, for, or at least presumably. It's it's uh. not that he doesn't care about his family. I just don't think that that's his driving motivation. I think his motivation is just self-preservation. Sure. I, I believe that it came to protecting his family and sacrificing himself that he wouldn't do it, based on the evidence that the movie puts forward. Entirely plausible. But I'm still no. seeing a guy murder a person in what looks to me like revenge in front of oh, this yeah. guy's family. No, it, it is definitely just out of frustration. Yeah. And uh, that to well, me is I think unjustifiable. It's, I think it's also out of like, I'm just trying to like make this the best situation for everyone. Mm. And this guy's bringing it all okay, down. Even He's if that's making the case, things worse. Even if that's the case, that yeah. has been making the same thing that you're so down on this guy for of, okay, the best chance we have to live is if I shoot you. But, right. there, but no, that hasn't been – but the, the difference there is that he – Harry is actively hurting everything that is going on in this entire movie up until this point. You could make the argument that had they listened to Harry, whole problem is solved. You could without knowing how the events would play out. But the difference is that Ben was always willing to go to the truck. He was always willing to go outside. He was willing to come to the aid sure. of this lady. That is very, and, very admirable. And Mr. Cooper has not done any of those he things. He hasn't. That doesn't change the fact that there's nothing noble in killing Cooper at this point. Yeah. And well, But there's also nothing noble in him pulling the gun on Ben as he's trying there's to... Definitely I, don't, I, don't I, think, I don't that think that's a, a question that of nobility. Of death sentence. I don't think it's a it question of when nobility. You're, when like, you're actively killing, like causing people to die... He's movie. not. Yes, and he again, has. if he had yes, the gun he and he gets them all downstairs, they all no, live. No, he no. There's no way that he allows Ben downstairs. I don't with necessarily him believe that. But I'm no, just saying, no if, way. if that's what he does, which very well could have been his plan, get everyone no. downstairs. You don't know that, Binge. From the beginning, yes. he was going to. At exactly. this point, he's not. He definitely offered for all of them to be under there. Get all the food down there. They all live. But no, that was point, after. That was after they came. They had hidden downstairs while there was clearly a struggle upstairs. Sure. So like, right? No, no. no. I mean, he's a he's a coward. He's selfish. He's only out for number one and maybe his daughter, but really he's out for number one. Like, he's he's a scumbag guy. But again, none of that detracts from the fact that Ben shooting him was not out of some like. I I don't think that Ben was justified in shooting him. I do. I kind of do no. too. I yes, I he, he, it is, he is. At this point, he has turned against Ben, and he is trying to kill Ben. No, if he is straight up. Did he? Did he shoot at Ben? No, exactly. He pointed the gun he at him. He locked him outside. Okay, he was willing to but let when him he die. He had the gun on him, as Ben later does to him. He did not shoot him. He Rick, did. He was going to. Here. You ben don't know took, that. Ben took the board and knocked it out of his hands. Okay, but that does not mean he was going to shoot him. It well, it no, also no. does not he, mean he, he would not have. He was holding him at gunpoint and say, telling his wife to get in the basement. 
He was just going to back he and his wife into the basement and leave Ben to die by zombies. Okay, so he's killing him not by gun, but by zombie. Exactly. So, so he's still trying this to kill Ben. This justify him in shooting. And we do. justify him in killing Cooper. And either way, we don't know that that's what he's going to do. Yes, it is. Yes. You don't know that. Yes, I do. No, you don't. <laughs> it, you it is you one know of, that. You're he's still it. killing him. Yes. He's 100% you're still killing him. It. No, and the zombies will eat what him. Is the only, point, what the is the point in holding him at gunpoint at that point? To then, take the power away from this guy who has been saying, no, I will not do the thing that will save us all the entire movie, regardless of how good of an idea it might be. The only thing we know for sure is that when these two had a gun pointed at each other, only one of them pulled the trigger. Okay, yeah, but because only but, one can okay, pull the yeah. trigger, no, but only Harry, one can. But Harry is going no, to both, leave him. One can die, not both of them. They can't both pull the trigger. Yeah, so you're but just. You know what? Yeah, Harry yeah, but when Cooper has him. the gun, he does. Look, if he was going to kill Ben, then why wait for his wife to get downstairs? Just shoot Ben. Yeah, because he has to get his wife downstairs. How is he's none a that coward? Is, none of that not dependent on him waiting to kill Ben. Yes, it does. If he's just gonna let, like. Oh, oh no, we're gonna I've shot Ben already. Everything. I guess now we can't get in the basement. Now my walk downstairs. No, he's about hoarding like supplies. He's not going to waste the bullet. He's just going to lock Ben out. Oh, no, I can't now get all the food that's upstairs because Ben's corpse is in the way. Nuts. It could just be that he's a coward. It definitely <laughs> and he, could be. He just he knows that it's wrong. Ben. But he's exactly. going to let Ben die. Okay. He, do- he shows that every- It's still yes, death. We it's don't. still murder. Yes. Yes, it's absolutely still murder. Yeah, 100%. it is when Ben murders him. And, or Look, if Ben I, did not this, fight back. I'm still on Ben's side after he murders Cooper. Like, I still like Ben more. If I gu- just don't think that it was justified. If a guy totally comes justified. at me with a knife no. and is clearly intent to kill me, and I take the knife from him and stab him in self-defense. Sure, that's like that, one thing. Is that but not justified? You, in the, the only way this is comparable is if the guy comes at you with a knife, you knock the knife out of his hands, take it, and while he has got his hand raised and saying cowering on and the cowering, floor and then you're you like, go over and stab, start stab, stab, stab stab that's no longer self-defense that's murder yeah no, no that would yes that is accurate as long as the guy that w- that was like that you killed hasn't attempted to let, kill you multiple times before at that he's point he's rescued him before no he hasn't he did he let him in out the of selfishness no. that's still that's, a rescue no yeah. it's not how do we know that he later he left him outside and not open the door that would have been killing him that would have been killing him if Ben had had to like smash the door open and Cooper's still in the back not letting him in but Cooper changes his mind says eh, I'm a selfish a-hole but am I that selfish and yeah, goes and lets him in no yeah. he goes and lets Ben back in the house that's, ba- that's saving his life. Out do of you guys disagree? No, I do. I don't disagree. care. He's still. It doesn't matter. Ben is still murdering him out of the selfish desire for revenge. If you save my life, because and got because a he's in my complicating the situation, and putting everyone in danger. So the selfish desire to live—it's the exact same thing, then. Or the selfless desire to help everyone else. Live. I'm shooting you selflessly to save <laughs> this catatonic woman and your wife. I'm so sorry. No, Look, maybe. I don't buy that yeah. at all. No, I do. If, I buy it more saves than... Ben, does it matter if it's selfish or not? He's still saving Ben. Yeah. It does matter if all of his actions previously point to a future where he will probably put Ben in a situation where he, Ben will die. But he's die. not going to kill Ben himself. It, who who cares? He still dies because of him. 
If he's like, Ben, if, go to the barn where ben, there's a billion zombies and get I all did. the food for us. I have no, the gun. Then Ben dies. Ben. Then he killed Ben. If Ben <laughs> isn't a selfish person going, no, we're going to go with my plan because I've got all these boards on these windows and I spent all night doing that, they all live. Which, again, I'm still on Ben's side. Ben's, I like Ben way more than Cooper. Cooper's an a-hole and a coward. But what I'm saying is, and what I think Rick's saying, is that he wasn't justified in killing Cooper, and it knocks him down a few pegs. I still yes. like him. He's still the protagonist. I agree with everything you've said. Completely. Yeah. I think we're just going to keep talking in circles on this. Okay. Probably are. <laughs> Let's keep going. So, Ben kills Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about that for a minute. So, <laughs> <laughs> And Cooper... Ru- like fall staggers down the stairs to where his daughter is uh and his wife helen follows shortly behind uh now i i don't exactly remember the order of things because at some point um ben and barbara are fending off zombies up at the top um while a lot of this is happening down in the basement but in in kind of all the different scenes that make up the finale of this of this film uh helen Cooper's wife walks down to find that her daughter has now started to eat her husband. Her daughter's a has zombie. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Which we're not surprised. She's the daughter was bit, but the, the audience at the time wouldn't have known this, and this would have been a big shock, I assume. And I think that comprehending that shock is pretty crucial to understanding why the mom doesn't just like run away. Like I think that yeah. seeing your own kin turn against you in that way is just like but what still like she literally lays there and lets herself get stabbed i mean it's it's like goofy if any of the women in this movie had not had almost that exact same basic idea for their death they just let themselves get murdered fine but we've had my jacket is uh, stuck i guess (laughs) that to me is by far the worst one. and we've had oh i'm gonna do something now I'm just going to sit against this door. There's hands all over my face. I should probably do anything else. Which is Barbara, which we haven't gotten to yet. Right. Like, but, that's the thing. It's, right. I, I, if, if there had been some other deaths for the other two, or if maybe if Barbara had been a little more active throughout the movie, this wouldn't stick with me so much. But it's one more woman getting murdered because she's not doing anything to save right. herself. Which, again, women in this movie do, are not very well served. But the movie passes the Bechtel test, so there's that. I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, mean, I get I get it. But again, I think I me, think so. I think that in context of again, like what it would mean to watch your own daughter stab you if you're a I mother. Guess, but like, at the same time, you still like she's still a small child. You can put your hand up and stop the descending trowel I mean, at your chest. Like you just don't. I mean, if you, I still like it. I, I still don't think that we're fully appreciating how wild this was. I, I think, like, I, I, no, no, I, I, yeah, I think I that, that how wild this would be, but at a certain point, the fight or flight response naturally takes effect, not the lay there and get stabbed. <laughs> I think effect. not the lay there and do, neither. do nothing. I think it yeah. probably worked extremely effectively for audiences in in the time, and yes. I think the the inter, the things that you've read definitely bear that out. But I am not that person. I am. Someone in 2017, and to me, in as an audience member now, it again does something to take me out of the movie. It's a little hammy. It is for sure. I, understand I will say that, that the, the screams, the, the, screams the death itself, that is, are 
the death itself is pretty good, but it goes on a little too long for me. And I think that by the end, the way that they're modulating the sound of the screams or the whatever. tune screams. Yeah. yeah that, 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 I loved that. I, can't, I thought it was cool. It was cool at first, but whenever it, like, it, it got halfway uh, through. And again, and I just... think that this is part of... I think that this is part of just us not viewing it for the first time in that era, yeah, right? It's, I agree with it's that. like how the scene in Psycho does nothing for me, where we see the silhouette of the stabbing yeah. happening and then the chocolate syrup get poured down the drain. Yeah. And that's because I know how it was made and it's nothing new to me, right? Like, yeah. this is very tame. And I think that that's similar here. But I am impressed by, like, I, I liked the auto-tuned voice. Like, I thought it was an interesting way of, like, it, it was a it was a combination mixture, wail of despair and pain. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you've seen. And, and I thought it was cool, especially I, thinking of it from back in that time. I mean, sure. we're seeing something that is, for all intents and purposes, like, the most unnatural thing. Like, a, a child stabbing their mother. Like, she's undead, she's eating the flesh of her father, and on top of that, the scream becomes literally unnatural. It's very eerie, I think. Well, to okay, to me, the thing is that in a movie that has, in a lot of ways, worked very well on its realism, this is a thing that the clearly not real scream takes away from for me. I think that's the biggest issue. I, I can see where you guys are coming from with the, in, you know, 1968, this is something that they're not going to know how they're doing that. It's not going to be a thing that's played out. To me, it comes off silly because I am, I, I, I am just from a different era. But, you know. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. It, you only got I feel like I was got. able. To, I exactly. feel like I was able to appreciate it a little more. Yeah. But I understand that's why. That's definitely a good word for it, yeah. Um, uh, and and while this is happening down in the basement um, upstairs, Ben and Barbara are trying to fend off more. You know, the zombie arm is coming through the the uh, boards tacked up across the windows, and Barbara sees Johnny, her her brother that she thought was dead, and just kind of gives in to letting him. I mean, tear her into the crowd of zombies. I was really hoping for this throughout the entire movie, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I wanted him to come back in some capacity. I think it's a good bookend, capacity. honestly. In like, a way, yeah. It, I think it, it just, for me, the big thing is that I, I wanted Johnny to come back and, and serve some kind of purpose in the movie. And, <laughs> again, I have hated Barbara through most of this movie. So oh, yeah. her getting death is not, like, comeuppance good, but I'm like, okay, finally, we don't have to deal with anything <laughs> else that she's going to do I'm glad about this. This is the death that I would say is a little more poetic and interesting to me in that regard. Because, yeah, on the one hand, like, Barbara has been, like, frustrating to watch because she's overacted quite a bit. And her hysteria is really hard to make it to empathize with her, as we've already pointed out. But, again, going back to audiences at the time, this was, like this had to have been like one of the worst ways someone could have imagined dying at yeah. the time Being eaten and, alive and to terrifying. have, and to yeah. have people fleeing that, but still be subjected to it. And we're going in increments, right? We have the mom who does not obviously want to get stabbed, but doesn't know how to retaliate against her own daughter gets stabbed by laying there. Uh, then we have a character literally throw herself into a horde because she is insane. Like, I feel like in the audience at the time, like, they would have thought they'd already capped at the daughter stabbing her own mother. But to have someone willingly throw themselves would have, in a way, been, like, 
horror frustration, you know, like, no, don't do that. That's awful. You know, that sort of response. Yeah. And uh, I find that very interesting because I feel like that is sort of the the peak at like worst death because it's also the character we've been following for the most screen time in the movie. Yeah. So yes. if you aren't completely irritated by Barbara, she would have been the second character you're most attached to, I feel like, in a lot of ways. But yeah, uh, I think the only thing left to talk about is the ending. Well, yeah, Johnny, jo- or Johnny, sorry, <laughs> uh, Ben seeing Barbara get torn through the window into the horde of zombies starts backing no up. no way he can defend this house anymore. Yeah, and the little girl has made it up the stairs. And <laughs> I love that he has, like, a rational response to it instead of what the mother did. <laughs> and he just, like, picks her up because she's six and throws her on the couch. <laughs> yeah. And then walks down the stairs. Yeah. Um, and immediately after boarding it up, looks down and sees the uh mr cooper who's already started to, like his arms missing because it's been eaten off and yeah. he starts rising up and at this point this is when uh this is when ben finally pulls the trigger mm-hmm. and kills him actually kills him kills the wife turns around and kills the wife and he's stuck down there i do really like that it lingers on him like throwing away the gun because that to me communicates at least some level of disgust with what he's done again i uh, i see what he did as something that was very wrong when he shot Mr. Cooper in the first place. And it got me a little more on his side that he was not just like completely okay with what he had done and right. with what he had seen. So I really like that aspect of it. Uh, I, I do as well. Uh, it, it's heartbreaking because like I feel like throughout the most, the, the majority of the movie, despite really not liking some members of the party, he genuinely wanted everyone to live. Yes. And he genuinely wanted to help everyone and was willing to put himself on the line to make it happen. But he's the only one who lives at this point. And it's just so like, like sad, like he's isolated down there and it, it's a, it's a brutal place to bring us into the final scene of the movie, I think. And it's also kind of, it's also cool. Again, sixties African American did not die first right died died last. last yeah and that is one of the things that uh if i'm remembering correctly that peel brought up in his interview that like in a way a movie made in 1968 was more progressive than most horror movies that were still being made in the 90s and 80s yeah definitely and uh, uh i just think that that's really interesting and cool um yeah. that especially that it wasn't even intentional you know yeah I, uh this I, sorry go ahead yeah, go ahead the, i was gonna say that this is also the most effective I think the zombies are for me at this scene when they're just swarming into the house Mm -hmm. and they're pounding on the door trying to get to Ben and just more of them and more of them and more of them keep pouring in. Because until until now, we've seen small initially one or two and then smaller groups. And I mean, the number of zombies grows, but with the makeup, it still just looks like a couple dudes standing out on the lawn. And at this point, I think this is when the zombies are most effective when it's obviously overwhelming odds. There's nothing he can do to get out. And it's kind of creepy. They're shambling around, just beating on everything, trying to get to him. Yeah. Um, for me. Okay. So I didn't feel, I I knew going in about what was going to happen at the end of the movie. And to me, the last, like when he gets shot, I didn't feel that bad for him overall because again to me he had lost a lot of credibility when he shot mr cooper but i will say the way that they don't end it there and the way they've got like those hooks in those final uh pictures and that kind of thing and the way they drag him out of there and throw him on there the dehumanization of that 
brought back a lot more empathy for uh, for me for him. And I thought it was interesting because in in a way that kind of mimics the way that we we don't think about zombies as having been people. Yeah. Right. They're just a mindless monster. It, it, it's like a big ant hill, right? Yeah. And these are just ants that are trying to kill you, and you need to squish them, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You don't think of them as people, and so by so so. I don't know if we explained it, but uh, there's a the sheriff's posse and his crew are going around taking out zombies. They're just kind of going as a wave, taking out any zombies they see. And they get to the house and say, hey, you know, I see movement in there. Okay, there's one in the window. Shoot him. And yeah. that's without even going to check out the house. They just, from a distance, kind of pick off the last one they think they see, which turns out to be Ben. Yeah. Um, but I think, like you mentioned, the last shots, which are the pictures of them dragging people away... I think that's interesting because, again, the zombies are just like it's like they were people, once, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, you don't think of them as people, and by th- and by literally throwing Ben in with them, you're kind of forced to consider this. consider the fact that these used to be human beings who are now just being treated as you know firewood, essentially. Yeah, uh, and so I I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I did too. And. uh Maybe I'm the only one here, but I actually felt horrible for Ben because I had seen Ben as this, like, for the most part, like, pretty selfless, like, just hero trying to do his very best in a very difficult situation that caused him to make some very compromising decisions. And no one will ever know how much he dealt with this incredibly irritating posse of people right. trying yeah. to literally save all of them despite their stupid decisions, despite their bickering, despite their insistency at being the ones in charge. And he still is the only one to come out alive, already sad, as I've already stated. But then he dies and no one will ever know that. No yeah. one will ever know about who he was or what he tried his very best to do. And he's put in this enormous category of oh well, they're all just zombies they're all just you know rodents they're all just uh, uh scum let's let's get them out of here so we go on throw with the rest of our lives fire. throw another one on the fire and they're literally using hooks and the the ken burnsy like still footage like it, that felt to me like very uh it, it felt very documentary you know it, yeah. it made it feel more real to me it, it's almost like it to me it almost does a better job than what most shaky cam footage tries to do you know it, yeah. it takes the fictional story and makes it feel like a documented moment yeah and like it that whole ending sequence with just the photographs like it just was really unsettling for me just because of um some of the photographs and stuff that i've seen like while taking uh u.s history classes or civil war history classes and seeing like lynch mobs uh and how those the how strong those pictures are and they kind of like almost reflect the same thing as i know is probably completely unintentional especially with the it's almost baffling that it's unintentional during that montage because it's like what else did they think it was going to look like yeah exactly um but like that that's what unnerves me about the entire like finishing sequence is just like how how that plays out um and that it kind of has a reminiscent to those um kind of real life pictures that um i've seen in history classes yeah yeah so this seems like a good place to end it chris this is your movie do you want to start us off i'd actually like to go last okay Okay. uh josh yeah i'm fine to go ahead and go first um I didn't know what to expect going into this one. I 
I know, Chris, you said that this is kind of a classic, and it and after watching it, it's easy to see how a lot of other films have drawn from this one, especially with zombies. Like like you said, I can see where the roots of all these tropes we see with zombie movies started here. Uh, I think my favorite part of the movie was when Ben is getting backed down into the cellar, uh, and you just see the horde of zombies come in and fill the house. Because, like you said, it's a house where we have very good spatial awareness we know what the layout of this house is and how much room there is there and to see it just filled to the brim with zombies it gives it gives a really good sense of the overwhelming odds there and i really like that part um my least favorite part of the movie is barbara like she is just aggravating and annoying and it's not just that she doesn't know what to do it's that she's so useless and I'm trying to think of how to say it properly. She's counterproductive with how crazy she's become. Uh, and and it doesn't feel earned, at least to me. Uh, the level of uselessness and, da- you know, she's constantly dazed kind of thing. It doesn't feel like I've seen a reason for her to be that way. And so for me, it's just a, a very aggravating character. Uh, all in all, I had fun watching the movie because I was able to make jokes about it and because... Uh, because I could see what was going to come. Um, I think it is a classic, but as for, you know, not all the classics are fun to watch, but I think this can definitely be one that you watch on like a bad movie night. Not that I think it's inherently bad, just I think if you're going to watch it for entertainment value, that's how you'd have to watch it. There's a lot of things you can crack jokes at, and I think that's there what really you, is. you really need for a, a quote-unquote bad movie night. Right, and, and, and because of that, I'm going to go ahead and give it a solid three. Uh, uh, three out of five... Uh, burning chocolate table legs. Hams. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, three out of five chocolate covered hams. I think that's a good one. Um, yeah, I mean it's it it's solid fun with a group of friends that you can crack jokes about. Or if you're gonna try and take it serious, you'd probably want to do that for some sort of film appreciation course, something like that. Yeah, binge. I enjoyed this movie. Uh, you you can definitely tell that it was made in the 60s and that it was an independent movie made in the 60s uh my probably my least favorite are the fight scenes just because of how terrible the choreography is throughout this entire movie and that that is just a sign of a movie in those times it's not something that you would necessarily expect um great choreography from a movie during this time especially with it being a horror movie so i that's just my least favorite because it's so just generic and just, and you can eh. tell how bad it is. Eh. You can just... tell, you can tell when Ben's punching the ground instead of the guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, my, my favorite part is probably just the acting of Dwayne Jones, who is uh, played Ben. Mm. Mm-hmm. He, he just felt so real to me where other characters didn't seem real, where Barbara felt super fake and Harry felt, Everybody was ratcheted up to a 10, um, which made it supremely unbelievable. But but <laughs> Ben uh, and Dwayne Jones, his character, like seemed to give it an even keel and actually made me feel uh, like I could relate to him in the fact that he's trying to get things going on. And he just he just seems like the perfect guy to 
kind of to be the to audience carry the movie. To, to well just also to be an audience surrogate like yeah. we would want to be the guy that's you know taking action and doing things and trying to help the cause um so that that, that would be my uh my favorite part about the movie I'd have to give it a three and a half out of five chocolate covered hams. I thought it, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And I can also see a lot of the homages throughout this entire, like throughout the entire movie. The homages that, that come in later films. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. The, the, um, well, I, I see all the uh, cliches that we get from a lot of future zombie movies, like destroy the head and the news broadcast that's gives the, people exposition and I, I enjoy like recognizing that in this movie and seeing the or, the origination of all those uh along with the the they're coming for you barbara <laughs> it's just that that line is just so like, iconic we're coming to get you barbara <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um so I, that I'd, I'd have to give it a three and a half out of five for that my uh, least favorite part of this movie is probably that scene that I brought up with the generals. It just doesn't fit for me. I think it's a little too much in a specific direction. Um, my favorite part of this movie, though, is Ben. I think that he is a enormous part of why this movie has stood out the way that it is. I think that his race definitely plays a part in that and you know the, the various angles that you can take with that thing, but also the character himself. I think he's complex in some very interesting ways. He's not a lily white hero <laughs> uh but um you know he's interesting in a lot of ways and he brings so much to this movie that i i don't think can be i don't think that his role in this movie's success can be understated um it's to get if in case this is your first time you've ever listened to the podcast when i rate things here i try to be as objective on a scale of quality as i can and i'm of two minds of how to do that here um because i'm of two minds about this movie on the one hand i can look at it as it was presented in 1968 and i can look at it from my perspective as an audience member now and i think that the most fair way to do it is to look at it as it should be in as it was taken when it came out um and on that scale i think it is a phenomenal movie i don't think it's perfect but i think it is very very good and i think it deserves its reputation as being uh you know the the movie that started the entire zombie thing uh phenomenon so i'm going to give this movie trowels (laughs) (laughs) burning Uh, chairs (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to give this four out of five Stuck zombie jackets. brothers eating your face. <laughs> um, if, if I was if I was rating this, you know, on a scale of how I feel about it as an audience member now, it would probably be a lower score. But that, that's not how I'm choosing to do this. So it gets a four out of five from me. Cool. Um, I definitely think that those are all very fair ratings. In fact, y'all have been rated it higher than I expected you to. Um, but yeah it's i'm sort of of the same mind a lot of ways uh i picked this movie because i knew it created some really interesting discussion and that clearly happened (laughs) um and uh i also like really admire this movie i think it'd be more accurate for me to say that i admire it more than i love it um particularly since it costs so little to make not because it was an inexpensive movie but because they had a very small budget and I think that with that, they 
it's it's shocking how inexpensive the movie is and what they came out of it, especially considering the time period and the technology that they had available. And I consider that very inspirational as an independent filmmaker myself. My least favorite part about this movie has got to be when Judy gets in that truck. That to me is just absurd. <laughs> like everything else, you know, I understand Barbara being insane, being grating to watchers. Uh, and I actually do understand that our protagonist shooting another character uh, in a sequence which could be interpreted as straight up murder as being unsettling and ruining the course of the movie for some viewers. But this to me is so obviously the worst thing in the movie. <laughs> like it is, it is just absurd. I really, really hate bad. it. <laughs> I really hated that part, and I've hated it every time I've watched it. My favorite thing about the movie, though, is the entire conclusion. I think that it's just haunting, and even though it's almost minimal on the zombie action, the most disturbing part of the movie. And to imagine seeing that in 1968 just had to have been just gut-punching. Uh, I really admire this movie as uh, an effort in cinema. I think that its legacy is clear and obvious. I also think that its flaws are clear and obvious. I am also going to give this movie four chocolate-covered hands. I think that if you're interested in zombie movies, you have to watch this movie. It is absolutely you're, you're not going to get half the jokes in Shaun of the Dead if you don't. <laughs> and yeah. that, that alone is <laughs> worth watching. So, uh, yeah. Um, shocked we gave it the same score, actually. I expected you to give it much lower score, as well as, uh, as, <laughs> Again, as well as you, Josh. I, I sort of volume... gathered you were enjoying it, Binge. Well, I know. But, I uh... was legitimately enjoying, like, making jokes about it and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. I had a very fun time watching this movie. <laughs> and then, let me say that those four stars, are, they're not even factoring in, like, the hamminess. I just genuinely think it's great. Right. And, uh, so, you know. That's well, how we roll it, opinionated. Well, I'll say, I'll say this. That was a solid choice for our, uh, our second installment of this year's Month of Spooks, Chris. That was uh... the, What's the Month of Spooks? I only know about the October Month of Spooks. <sighs> Fine. It's a solid choice Colon for the electric second You're correcting me, and you go ahead and ruin it. Well, don't ruin it the first time, then I won't mess it up the second time. Yeah. You yeah, know Josh, what you can if you hear? don't do it the first time, then Chris won't have the opportunity. Josh, okay, hold on. Josh, so who's, why don't... Who's, whose movie are we listening to next for the October month of Spooks, Electric Spook? Well, yeah, what's We're the electric going to watch the movie. They, The audience is going to listen to right. us talk about the so movie. So which movie are we watching next? No, no, we're, not telling, we're not saying. Who's? Rick's? Benjamin's? Benj oh, watching all right, Benj. Ah, Benj you're in yes. control of the October Spookaloo right. month of... Let's see. Let's see if you can pick a movie as solid as Get Out and Night, Night of the of Living, the living Dead. Dead. Yes, uh, you've got some high movies to live up to. Speaking of quality that others try and live up to, our podcast is top quality, and you can find more of it. On... We have the best podcast. <laughs> That's right. Our podcasts are so impressive. You can find more of our podcasts online at opinionatedpodcast.com. Additionally, we're on social media at OpinionCast on Twitter and OpinionatedPodcast on Facebook. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, send it to OpinionatedMovieReviews at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. And additionally, we've, we thank you to all the fans who have been sending us suggestions for our uh, fan film month. Uh, not sure what we're going to name that month yet, but I'm sure we'll come up with something creative. Uh, we're still looking through those. We're each going to pick one of your suggestions that we think uh, just sounds like a great, uh, a great podcast material. And I think we're going to watch four of those. So keep sending them in. 
Um, if you get a chance, please give us a review on iTunes. That's by far the best way that we reach out to new listeners, and we always appreciate it when you do. And you should definitely go to the website for this particular podcast if you want to vote in a poll about whether or not Ben was justified in shooting absolutely in shooting uh, uh, Harvey yes or the no. correct answer we've gotten Mr. so many Cooper. different ones Mr. Mr. Dent it's he, Mr. Dent he definitely wouldn't have been justified in shooting Harvey which, which speaking of which the correct answer is no he was not justified but until next time Josh, guys Josh would you say that he was justified <laughs> fake news until, until next, next time, time guys we're opinionated. I was trying to think of something. Clever. You ruined it. Is that me gold? What the hell are you? I'm a leprechaun, me dear.